Open your Bibles to John chapter 7. We're continuing where we left off last week. Signs of the Holy Spirit, actually more signs, more pictures. Why does the Lord give pictures in the Scripture? So we can more readily understand what he's trying to communicate. And Lord, open our eyes, our heart. Teach us about you and your spirit in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Now, in review from last week, uh, before I even do that, I want to tell you about something coming up. Have you heard of this couple, the Greens? I've just heard a little, little bit about them. They're in the insurance business in California. And the governor shut down the churches, and they decided we're going to have one night of worship on the beach in Huntington. And so they got a worship leader, and they started worshiping, and one night went to six weeks. And I've heard they, I think the governor tried to shut them down, tried to arrest everybody, it didn't work. And they baptized something like close to a thousand people in six weeks. Well, they have felt, like many of us, that we have an awakening and a revival coming. And they believe, and many others believe, that Kentucky is a key state. Because of what happened here in Kentucky many years ago, God launched a great awakening at Cane Ridge, just 30 miles from here. And it went up the 13 colonies, colonies always up the eastern seaboard. And that was part of the Second Great Awakening. And they believe it's going to happen again. They were in Philadelphia recently, and God poured himself out there. And so just down the road, about three miles, is where it's going to uh, be held, open field, south of, if you know where Bluegrass Energy is. They were scheduled to be at Cane Ridge, but they've got too many people coming. So they had to move it. So they've had 2,500 people register. Uh, I drove down there just to look at the site today, this morning. There's a cross on top of a mound of dirt. And they've got 750 that are going to camp and stay the entire time. So services start at 6. I'm going to go. Uh, you probably want to take a chair with you. So we'll praise the Lord and we'll pray that he has another great awakening for our state. Someone say Amen. Now, previously, we talked about three pictures of the Holy Spirit that are found in the Scripture. One is the wind found at Pentecost uh, that birthed the church. The second one is how gentle and sensitive the Holy Spirit is, like unto a dove at Jesus' baptism. Uh, if you want to walk in rebellion and disobedience, he chooses not to play. And so he can be grieved. And uh, he likes to walk with people that want to walk in obedience. And the third picture is permeating oil. Say that, permeating oil. And the picture is when the tabernacle was created, Moses had it built. Each one of the articles in the tabernacle was anointed, as well as the priests were anointed, which indicated the presence of God on their lives. That's why when we pray for the sick, Often we anoint with oil. We're asking the Holy Spirit to come and do what we cannot do. 
Now let's look at John chapter 7. Follow with me. Hold your Bibles up. You got them? Let's see your Bibles. Very good. Verse number 37. John 7, 37. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he cried out and said, If there is any thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow what? Rivers of living water. Verse 39. Don't make your theology so complicated. If the scripture says it, go with it. Verse 39. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive... For the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. He had not risen from the grave. Now as we talk about this subject of living waters, if you've traveled much, if you've been places in America, if the land does not have water, guess what? There's going to be very little life. No water, no life. Spiritually, it is the same way. Unless the living water of the Spirit is flowing in you and out of you, there will be an absence of spiritual life and vitality, whether it's a church, a family, a missionary, an individual servant. So we want, we must have the living waters of the Spirit. If there's an absence of God's Spirit's work, There will be an absence of personal growth. Are you growing? Are you going backward? Have you plateaued? And there will certainly be no fruit, no water, no life, no fruit. Now, we've just read the passage. Let's make it very, very, very simple. These are the simple words of Christ. Is anyone thirsty? Are you thirsty? Hold your hand up and say, I am thirsty. I'm more thirsty than I've ever been before. I want more and more. I got to have, I got to have his living waters. I cannot do what I need to do without his living waters. So Jesus said what we're to do every day of our life. We got to come. Everyone say come. These are action words. If you don't come, you will get no water. And what you do on Monday is just as important, if not more important, than what you do on Sunday. You must come. And then the third thing he said was, you got to drink. You got to partake. You have to receive from God's wonderful, powerful spirit who is the one that gives living waters. Now, Jesus said this too. He who believes, do you believe? Hold your hand up. Do you believe? Do you believe the scripture? Okay. Do you believe? He who believes. Let's make this simple. The plan is out of your innermost person, your innermost being. Up on the screen is a simple diagram of how we are, we have three parts as humans. 
We are a spirit first. When you were conceived in your mother's womb, God created a living spirit. That's the real you. That's the eternal you. Every person on this planet will live somewhere after their life is over. When a person dies, their spirit and their soul leaves their body. So you are a spirit and you have a soul. What is a soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. God is a spirit, but he also has a mind. He has his will and he has emotions. And then you live in a body. This is just an earth suit. With me? So when God speaks to you, where does he speak? He doesn't speak to your ear. He could. He doesn't speak to your mind. He could. He speaks first to your spirit. You feel something. You sense something. You should. You want to do something. You have a restlessness about you. You feel uh, God, the Spirit's affirmation, or you feel like something's not right. You don't have peace. That is the Spirit of God speaking to you. So out of your spirit flows this eternal life, living waters. Let's not make our theology complicated. This is God's plan for you. Being filled with the Spirit, being thirsty, receiving, drinking, and flowing to other people. You got to be filled before the water will flow. You're not filled, no flow. A drip, no flow. You cannot give, see the picture? You cannot give what you do not have. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you cannot give what you do not have. Your goal is to receive from him before you do anything else. And it's very, 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 very clear. Some churches, I'm sad to say, the people never hear a message on the Holy Spirit. Some pastors their entire life has never preached one sermon or taught one series on the Holy Spirit. He is a third person of the Trinity. And the rivers we're talking about are the Holy Spirit, which they were to receive at the day of Pentecost. Okay, you clear so far? You with me? Now, the spirit of the Holy Spirit is a lot of mystery. His presence can be very, very subtle. It can be like dew in the morning. In Israel, they were dependent upon the spring rains and the fall rains, but they would have dew different times of the year that would keep the plants and the land refreshed. And we are also dependent upon the dew of God's spirit. Get up in the morning. Spend time in the scriptures. I go to prayer and I go to worship. Some days it's spectacular. Some days it's just kind of ho-hum. I still do it. Generally, there's at least do. Sometimes it's like cleansing rain. God's spirit touches your heart. You may have a tear. You may have a thought. You may have... Uh, uh, impulse that you've never had before. You may have a nudge. You may have a gentle prompt. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit 
on the inside of you. And then at other times, it's crazy. It's like a full bore flood. And your life has changed forever. I pray that's what's coming to our nation. We need that. Someone say amen. Now, the whole Bible is about Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, every story has him behind the scenes. He's on every page. And uh, this is just one example. The book of Ezekiel is right before you get to Daniel. It is one of the most difficult books in the Bible to understand. The rabbis sometimes would say, boy, this is the hardest book ever. And, but there's a lot of beautiful symbolism. And in the book of Ezekiel, the prophet wrote down this picture he was given. Out of the doors of the temple that faced south, he saw water first trickling from underneath the doors, and it was headed toward the desert. And then he looked again, and it's ankle deep, and he's standing in it. Then, in a few moments later, it reached his knees. Have you ever read this passage before? It's, I love it now. It's so exciting now. And then it's at his waist. And then in a short time, it is flowing, it is moving, that he is actually swimming in the river. What's it a picture of? It's a picture of revival. It's a picture of the move of the Holy Spirit. It's a picture of what our nation needs. It's a picture of a great outpouring like we have been praying for for 20 some odd years. And we believe it's coming. Now my favorite verse in chapter 47, Ezekiel says this. Wherever the water goes, things come alive. Maybe you've got a grandson who doesn't understand anything. Maybe you've gone from one broken relationship to another. Maybe you cannot find your niche or your purpose. When God's Spirit shows up, Life begins anew. Now, Jesus uh, followed the same theme. Jesus started a, a, a conversation with a woman, a broken woman, out of all places, a well in Samaria, a well that Jacob had dug many years before. And he starts out with a deeply theological question. Do you remember what it was? Have you read Ezekiel, lady? No. Have you been to Hadsbury Seminary? No. Uh, how about a drink of water? It's a hot day. I would urge you to learn to initiate conversations with people. Talk to people. Ask them their names. One of your neighbors is cutting grass. Go over and introduce yourself. Invite a neighbor to coffee. Take somebody to lunch. Start the conversation and see where it goes. And she says, well, you're asking me, a Samaritan, to give you, a Jew, 
a drink of water. That's so like inappropriate, improper. And then he says, but if you knew the gift of God, what is he referring to? Do you know? The Holy Spirit. If you knew the gift of God and who it was was asking you, could I have a drink? You would get living waters and you would never thirst again. And she said, living waters and I would never thirst again? Yeah. She said, sir, I want that water. And she found it. Now, I don't know what you're searching for today. If you're searching, you're looking. You're thirsty. You're hungry. There is living water for you. And it's here today. And if you are a believer, but you're, you're empty, you've plateaued, Somebody had a dream, a, a vision at the first service and said, we saw a well that was dry. This was after service. We didn't even know you were preaching on this. And drops of oil were put in the well. And a gusher of living water came up out of the well till it was overflowing. So today, do you want to be filled? And would you like to be filled to overflowing? Ministry comes out of the overflow not the underflow. Okay, are you with me so far? Hello, you with me? Now let's go to Luke. Go to Luke chapter three. Let's look at the fifth picture. Fifth picture is a consuming fire. Luke three, verse 16. Would you please mark this in your Bible? And John answered them because people were saying, are you the Messiah? Are you the promised one? Are you the one we're looking for? He said, no, I'm not. As for me, I baptize with what? What does he baptize? John the Baptist, what do he baptize with? Water. Now, is baptism with water, which is a sign you've given your heart to Jesus, and it looks like this. People step down into the water. They lay down in the water, and the water is a picture of the grave. Well, how is the water a picture of the grave? Because it's like that the old Steve no longer wants to live for himself. I've done that, and it doesn't work. Come up out of the water, the new Steve wants to live for Christ. Dead to self, alive to Christ. Dead to self, alive to Christ. There will be thousands of people baptized in China today. There'll be thousands of people baptized in India today. There'll be thousands of people baptized all over the world, and some of them pay a tremendous price for their faith. So, if you've not been baptized, there's a class starting at 1230 today that I suggest you go to, because you need to understand, because that means I'm going to, I'm in. I made my decision, I'm going to walk with the Lord, I'm going to serve Christ, and I'm a saved child. That's what that means. So baptism, is it good or bad? Good. It's good. Okay, now keep reading. But one is coming after me who is mightier than I, 
I'm not fit to untie the thong of his sandal. And he will baptize you with what? He will baptize you. This is what Jesus does. This is talking about our Savior. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with, notice the picture, water and spirit baptism, separate things. Spirit baptism and baptism by fire, same thing. It's just a different side of the same picture, okay? That's what Jesus does. He wants to baptize you with the Spirit, at the same time baptize you with fire. Well, why fire, Steve? Because we were meant to burn. We want to be flammable. We want to be combustible. If you are camping or you have a fire ring in your backyard or you have a beautiful fireplace, you want to burn dry wood. Have you ever been camping and tried to burn wet wood? It does not work. So you take dry wood and you take a lighted match on the wood. And what happens? Help me out. What happens? Dry wood. You have fire. The fire will penetrate the wood. The desire of the Spirit is not for you just to come to church, not for you to be moral, not for you to quit drinking or sleeping around or whatever your addiction is. It's that you, the fire of the Spirit of God would penetrate your heart and your mind and your emotions and that actually not just penetrate but consume the wood. How is your fire going? Is it about out? Is it tiny? Our heart needs to be combustible for the things of the Lord. We should have passion. We should have energy. We should have a desire. We want to be warmed by His Spirit so we can indeed warm others. In my little office, about 40 yards over that way, I have a little blue sign on my door to remind me as I go out. I'm reading the Bible a number of years ago, and this verse just touched me so deeply. The disciples remembered later on that Jesus said this, zeal or passion or flame for the Lord's house will be something that consumes me. He loves his people. He cares about his people. He cares about the broken. He cares about the lost. And he will do everything he can to reach them and help them. Point number three, fire also represents the presence of the Lord. Here's a guy. He's 80 years of age. He feels empty. He feels broken. He feels defeated. His name is Moses. He's been out of touch for 40 years. And one day is just a normal day and he's walking along. And as a shepherd, he sees an outstanding thing in the distance, maybe 200 yards away. He sees a bush on fire and yet the bush is not consumed. God calls to him from that burning bush. And calls him by name, Moses. 
Moses, have you ever heard the Spirit of the Lord call you? Some of you today, God's Spirit is speaking to your spirit. You feel it. You feel something. You feel a stirring. You feel a need. There's a growing passion. You feel something. You don't quite know what to do with it. That's the presence of the Lord speaking to you. And he speaks every single day. Let me give you another picture. In Leviticus chapter 6, some ways, that's a hard book to understand. It's one of my favorites today. Remember, I talked about all the different items in the tabernacle. They all spoke of Jesus. Well, here is the bronze altar. Moses was told this, this statement to give to the people that took care of the altar. The fire on the altar must never, ever, ever go out. That's where the sacrifices were burned. That's a lot of wood. Well, why, Steve, why would the Lord tell the people not to ever let the altar go out for two reasons? He wanted them to value his presence among them. And two, he wanted them to understand my presence will take care of your problem with sin. I can change your heart. So you never ever have to deal with this again. Now, as a, as a pastor and an older brother, I just want to, I just want to, just want to, just want to say, it's not about having a one-time encounter with the Lord. Hey, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the night I was drunk and two street preachers talked to me about the Lord, changed the direction of my life. I'm grateful for the night baseball coach talked to me two hours about the Lord, moved my heart closer. I'm grateful for the night, actually four nights, an 85-year-old woman spoke in my church. I was lost when I came the first night. I was saved when I came the last night. I'm grateful for when I was a lifeguard at Myrtle Beach and I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me, calling me into his service. I'm grateful, grateful, grateful for all those experiences. I've had maybe 300 different kinds of experiences. If you never had an encounter, you need to have one. If you chase after God, you will have them. He will meet you if you will seek him. But it's not enough to have one 40 years ago. Your flame will go out if you're not having one now. If you're not meeting him this week. The principle is this. What a person values is what a person protects. If you value the living water, if you want more living water, if you value the flame, of the presence of God. If you value that, you will treasure it. You will keep it. You will steward it. You won't let anybody take it away from you. And you won't let it go dry. You won't let it go dark because of neglect because you're too busy. When it comes to the life-giving third person of the Holy Spirit, what does he give that's so valuable? He'll give you the power for ministry. You can't do the work of God in your flesh. It's impossible. 
You will value the direction. He will show you what college you need to go to. He will show you who to date. He will show you who to stay away from. He will show you, talk to you about careers and even buying cars and everything. There's nothing too small for him. He will help you with the issue of purity. Do you want to get over your hangups? He has wonderful gifts to give you. And he's the only one that can give you love for that wife that you've despised all these years. And he's the one that will lead you into all truth. And the Holy Spirit is the only one that can use you to make a great, great impact in the short life that you have. He's the only one. So, if you got a fire, you got to keep it going. You have to tend the fire to keep the fire going. I have to tend the fire every day. I have to tend the fire several times a day. I have to get away from things that will put my fire out. Paul, this guy probably my age, said to this young preacher who was sent to this place, incredibly hard place, Crete, where the, the view on those guys was everybody's a liar in that culture down there. Can't trust anybody. And he said this, you got to do this. you got to fan into flame the gift, which is the Holy Spirit, that was given when I put my hands upon you. John Wesley, maybe my greatest hero outside of Scripture, he said this to his young preachers. How do you gather a crowd? Set yourself on fire and people will come to watch you burn. Woo! Are you on fire? Are people attracted to what God is doing in your life? Our call at Church of the Savior, just being very clear, we're going to be a presence-based church. We've always loved prayer. We've always loved worship. Hey, we love missions. We love evangelism. We love Bible teaching. We love helping the poor. We love hospitality. We love a thousand things. But the first love has got to be the presence of God. Because when we come here, it's about him. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. And if we keep that in perspective, our job at Church of the Savior is to please him first, to love him first, to honor him first. Everything else takes care of itself. Now, when God's Spirit fills us and saturates us, and that's a recurring thing, he is the great physician. He just doesn't put a Band-Aid. I think I did something. Did I do something? <laughs> Well, let's do it all over. You guys got another 45 minutes to hang around? Awesome. So you don't have to be smart to do this. Did I do that or did somebody else do that? Can I sing while I do this? No. Let me know when I'm... <laughs> no! I love it. We haven't even gotten to the second half, my Lord. We're getting close? Tell me. You want me to stop early. That's what you want, don't you? Okay, okay. Getting close? Yeah. 
Hello? Hello? See what happens when you give a monkey a tool? Now, the Holy Spirit deals with our heart issues. He goes right to the core. Here's this young man, Isaiah. He's a young guy. And he gets in God's presence and he sees the beauty of God's throne. And then he says, I got a problem. I got unclean lips, Lord. How could I ever serve you? And I live a bunch, with a bunch of people that's got unclean lips. And a super being went to the bronze altar in heaven. There's one there too. And got tongues put a live coal, put it on this young preacher's lips and said, your iniquity is forgiven. God's spirit points out all the dark areas. Which is good. I want him to do that. I want to be a better man this year than I was last year. And that even burns up the dross What's dross? It's like in iron or gold, stuff that's not supposed to be there. It's a waste. Things we don't need. Things that's holding us back. And here's another thing when you give your heart to Jesus and God's Spirit lives within you. You can no longer sin and it be fun. It may be fun for 30 minutes, and then you are so miserable because the Holy One is on the inside. You talked like a sailor and you felt horrible afterwards. You went out and got drunk and you knew a Christian. That's not you. And you, the Holy Spirit is telling you, honey, that's not the way I've called you to live. That's, that's going to just ruin your entire life. And I'm glad I can't enjoy it anymore. I don't want to enjoy it anymore. I don't want to be evil. I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be wicked. I don't want to take advantage of people. And the more we're in his presence, the chains start falling off, sometimes a long length and sometimes one link at a time. And then he illumines our path. You want to know what to do next year? You want to know what to do this fall? You own a business, you need his help. He's the only one, he knows the future. You gotta learn to listen to his voice. And then this is a hard part. I apologize. He refines our character through tribulation. What do you mean? Everybody turn to Romans chapter five, just real quick. I want you to put this in yellow. This will help you maybe more than anything today. You may say, Steve, I am so messed up. I'm having such a hard time. I'm struggling. I can't even keep my head above water. Tell me what's going on. I'll tell you what's going on. Romans chapter 5. Paul wrote this. Not only this, but we celebrate. We glorify. We glory in our tribulations. You go, is he an absolute crazy guy? Am I supposed to be happy about this? Not happy, but glorify the Lord. And you say, well, that's crazy. Why? Paul gives this answer. Knowing. Everyone say knowing. knowing. 
Paul knew something that maybe you, you need to know. Knowing this key, that tribulation or hard times, whether you caused it or somebody else caused it, builds something in you, nothing else like nothing else, and that is perseverance. Do you know what perseverance is? It's a toughness. It's a strength. It's ability to get knocked down and get back up. It's ability to forgive. It's ability to love. It's ability to say, I'm going to walk with the Lord if nobody else in my family does. It's called perseverance. And if you don't develop perseverance, (laughs) Satan will just kick your teeth in all the time. He'll just kick your teeth in because you never develop perseverance. And perseverance does this. It develops proven character. You want to be like Jesus? This is how it happens. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All through the school of tribulation. And this tested character produces one thing. It's called hope. Everyone say hope. Do you know what hope is? Hope is not only do you get back up, but you go, it's going to work out. I'm going to be better. God's going to help me. God's going to use this. I'm going to have the best year I've ever had because I trust the Lord Jesus. And the scripture says with that kind of spirit, that kind of attitude, hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God, everyone say the love of God, is supernaturally poured out, shed abroad in your heart. Somebody has absolutely been treacherous and did you in. You got stabbed in the back. Your girlfriend walked out on you. Your husband abandoned you. And yet, God's Holy Spirit gave supernatural love like you've never had before for them, for him, and for people you don't even know. And it comes through this difficulty. And here's the clincher. The only one that can give, give these treasures to you is the Holy Spirit. And that's how he works. And F, worship team, would you guys come on up? Here, the day of the resurrection, two guys are walking on the road to Emmaus. A third stranger pulls up and walks with them. They enjoy the conversation. Their heart is turning tender. They actually share a meal. And they didn't recognize who it was until he broke the bread and they saw the scars in his wrist. And after he vanished, they said, Oh my, were our hearts not on fire as he explained the scriptures to us? Here's John Wesley. He's 38 years of age. He's a son of a minister. He's a grandson of a minister. He's an Oxford scholar. He teaches at Oxford. He feeds the poor. He cares for widow. He he has a jail ministry. He's practically got the New Testament memorized in Greek. He is a genius. And yet, he's lost. He decides to come to America to be a missionary, and he comes to Georgia, and it was such a a waste of time. 
He writes in his journal, I came to America to save the Indians, but who's going to save me? You ever been invited to church and you didn't want to go? Hold your hand up. Let's be honest. You got invited to oh, go. You may be here today. That's me. I didn't want to go. I got invited. I was told I'd go to Burger King, get a free Whopper. I got invited to church. I didn't want to go, and I got my life changed. That's crazy. He was invited to a society or a Bible study on Aldersgate Street. See that picture? That picture is 100 years old. None of those buildings are there. He walked into a little building to a little Bible study. He went in there against his will. He sat on the back row. And the guy didn't even do the Bible study. He was reading Luther's preface to the book of Romans. And the guy up front, it was about 845. And as the guy that was sharing was describing the change, everyone say change, that God works in the human heart through faith in Christ, he said, I got visited. Nobody else in the room knew it. It was so subtle, I didn't even realize it. But he said this. This is in his journal years later. I found the strangest sensation come over me. It was so subtle, I didn't even notice it. But my heart went from cold to warm. Somebody tell me, what caused that? The Holy Spirit came to Aldersgate Street to a Bible study to a 38-year-old preacher that didn't even believe. And then he goes on to write in his journal, I felt that night for the first time I did trust in Christ and Christ alone. Everyone say Christ alone. One more time, Christ alone for my salvation. And he said an assurance, everyone say assurance, was given me that he'd taken all my sins, all my stuff, even mine, for the first time, I knew I was saved. I was changed. I was a new creation. And I didn't even have to try. That was May 24th, 1738. And I want to say it changed the world forever. It changed two continents. One night. Two continents, one night. And some of you today, God's going to do a work in your heart today. And you're going to be different. Because the Spirit of God comes and you're going to find something brand new that you've never had before. That little five foot two guy became a preaching machine. He preached. All across England, Scotland, and Wales, four times a day for 40 years. 20,000 miles on horseback every year. Led people to Christ right and left. And he raised up tons of preachers. And England was spared the brutal revolution that happened in France. And it changed the British Empire. And it changed America. You may not understand it. 
but your life got changed on May 24th, 1738, because of the Spirit of God visited a little guy on Aldersgate Street. Now, I want you to stand. Would you stand? I don't know what your need is. No pressure at all. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And maybe this morning you have felt something on the inside. You felt a need, a longing, maybe a little bit of hope. Maybe the desire that you want to live differently. Why don't you give your heart to Jesus today? Right where you stand. Open the door of your heart because the Spirit of God is here. And just repeat after me this simple prayer, but only do it if you mean it. And say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you so badly. I've made a mess of my life. And I can't fix it. So come into my life, Lord. Cleanse me and forgive me of every sin and wash me clean. I give my life to you today to be your child and your servant. If you prayed that prayer with me, hold your hand up right now. Just hold your hand up right now. Anybody, wonderful, anybody else, anybody else, anybody else. And Lord, I pray you would fill people with the Holy Spirit at this time. If you're thirsty, if you're dry, ask him to fill you right now, to fill you with his life. Be filled in Jesus' name. Now the altar is open. You can linger here. There's people here to pray with you. Whatever he's wanting to do, say yes to him. Come to the altar. Walk out what he's told you to do.
Lord, that's our confession this morning, that we adore you above all else, above everyone else, Lord, above all the worries and the cares of this world. Lord, we adore you. Lord, we put ourselves aside. And in this moment, Lord, we want to invite you, Holy Spirit. Would you lift your hands with me and invite the Holy Spirit to fill you up? Holy Spirit, we ask you, we invite you, we implore you, would you fill us up in this moment where we are empty and where we are weak and where we've not held on to you? We just say, fill us up. We need more of you, Holy Spirit. We need less of ourselves, less of this world, less of the humanistic values, and we need to come back to you, and we say, fill us up, Holy Spirit. It was for this reason that Jesus left, so that we might experience this full, this full relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. It's not just Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit, it's the Trinity, and we thank you, Lord, for providing everything we've ever needed, and we thank you for the person of the Holy Spirit who fills us up and empowers us to overcome the world and all the obstacles that are in front of us. So we thank you, Lord, for today, and we thank you for this message. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. The Lord is absolutely in charge and absolutely good. So these altars are available. You may linger longer in prayer. You may find somebody to pray with. If you have children you need to pick up, you're free to do that. But please remain respectful of what the Holy Spirit, what the Lord is doing now in these moments. Thank you. joining us at Church of the Savior online today. We hope you are encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made the decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.